Dean, I'm, can, you, can you honestly tell me that you forgot? Forgot the magnetism of Robin Zander or the charisma of Rick Nielsen? That's kid stuff. Kid stuff? Well, how about the tunes? I want you to want me. The dream police. Da -da 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 -da. Your mama's all right. Your daddy's all right. But just seem a little bit weird. Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Gabe, holy moly, where are you? I'm on the other side of Florida, the, the, are, the, the Atlantic side. Are you quote unquote home? This is my home. This is you, my abode where I'll be for the foreseeable future. For the next month? No. The GMP headquarters is stationed in Orange Park. Florida. So what you're telling us, Ben, are you seeing this? What um, he's telling us is yeah. this is not a hotel that you're in. This is my house. It's a little messy. We're unloading, unpacking, getting stuff together. The office ah. is coming together. I'm going to start resuming orders because we have some stuff coming down the pipe. Oh, down my pipe? God. Down the pipe. I, I am dying. I, I, look, at, look at me. I, have, I'm, I look like Steve Bannon. I, I feel like I haven't <laughs> taken a shower in a week. I haven't shaved in at least 30 minutes. Uh, it's been crazy. Crazy all the stuff that's going on. I'm crazy busy today. Working on that stupid movie. Ben, what? Uh, 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 uh. So we got the movie, Married Men Show coming up. Gabe, when is that Married Men Show? I had it. I had it queued up here, and then you. Okay, you, we got this show at the Metro for Joe Cassidy. I've got this fucking show to this weekend for my high school reunion. How 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 did that happen? We're Ooh, rehearsing. For, what? <laughs> You got roped in and doing something with some people that you didn't graduate with. You could have graduated with. They said, "No, no, 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 no. They're 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 older than me." I know. So it's why are the you? Eighty-seven class, because You're they adjacent. are in, they're inviting the eighty-eight class and the eighty-six class. 86? Now you're just going to both sides? No, eighty-six. Yeah, they're playing both sides now. No, no. Anyway, the the married men show is August twenty seventh at Skokie Backlot Bash. So I got to rehearse for that tomorrow. I got uh, rehearsing for Here, Come, Here Comes the Zoo. Thankfully, Ryan's out of town right now. And then we've got all this <laughs> zoo vinyl and zoo merch that we've been. Oh, my God. Zoo vinyl. Zoo vinyl is actually happening. We just don't know when it's happening, when it's going to happen. So, so you're, you're going to announce that we're doing a CD, a double CD then. So we're trying to get on the stick. We don't think the zoo vinyl is going to be ready in time for the September 11th start date of this tour. So the plan is let's have something to tide people over. Let's make a CD. 
So we're looking at the CD and we're also, we got a hold of all of the original Jack Douglas mixes and uh, Jack Douglas rough mixes, which are kind of a revelation. It's been years since I've heard them. And there's stuff on there that I forgot that we recorded. I mean, we fucked around a lot on that record and did a lot of crazy, weird, old school Jack Douglas type of stuff on there. And we can talk to our guest about some of that stuff later. But uh, it's, it, it's cool. I love listening to these rough mixes. Have we decided, Gay, what we're going to do or how we're going to... I don't know. I think this is something that you had in your head, but you didn't mention it. So I'm hearing it for the first time. You're talking about get the CD in a hopes that they'll buy the record or... No, okay, okay. Buy so the record you, you and you could, get the CD? I know. Wait, I got it. You're gonna you okay. go. You're you're paying for the vinyl, which isn't ready yet. And as a sort of token of your payment, you get the CD. And they say this right. is this is like sort of your holdover until the vinyl's ready. Right. A Willy Wonka golden ticket is a, this double CD with all these great Jack. Uh, we're not giving not away remixes. CD. Original make mixes. What? But it's not a giveaway. We're not giving it away. Well, I don't know. I don't know. What, what should we do here? I guess we shouldn't talk about it because we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> but we, we also got some uh, T-shirt designs, which I think are pretty fucking brilliant. There's some good stuff coming. There's some good stuff, and it's, it's, it's coming. But we got to whittle it down. I know, because you said that the last tour, the Lifers re-tour, re that there was way too much merch. You couldn't handle it. So we got to make it, it was, simple. It was a lot. You, you're, but you're getting merch crazy again like you you didn't remember what how crazy it was last time you're calling <laughs> me merch crazy you're yes, the merch that's, craziest son of a bitch i've ever met in my life i have to be that's my nickname road dog slash merch crazy man whatever merch crazy son of a bitch <laughs> is that your nickname <laughs> listen i've been no, off listen. the merch train for a little while because i've been you know crossing the country a few times now that i'm back in business in one spot Let's get this. All right. So real. you think we can get we can get away three designs? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, no, no, no. Let's not get nuts. Let's do two, two designs. But we have this MGM logo tee that oh, I haven't fuck. even I haven't even let the guys try. It's the ladies first on this one. Oh, wow, Remember, man, we there's too much stuff going on, Gabe. No, it's not too much. It's if too I don't get this movie done by the end of this week, I'm gonna blow your brains out. <laughs> Yes, but we got to get the master in the can for this zoo CD. I'll give you a master in the can. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I can't even see movies, you know, like, you know, the, <laughs> look at Ben, Ben's like, <laughs> I, you know, it looks like you're making fun of me, Ben, but I know you sympathize. I do sympathize. I had a midnight run in the background the other day because it's on Criterion, all that Yafet Kodo or is it Kato? It's Kodo, right? Kodo. Yafet Kodo. Oh, my, Not Yafet. Oh my God. Yafet. The, Yafet Koto movies, it's blue collar, played that like three times, just have it on in the background. Now, I know that you think My Cousin Vinny is the best, right? Yeah. But isn't Midnight Run better than My Cousin Vinny? I mean, it might be a better movie, but it's not. No, 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 no. Just as far as keep it out, like a can't commercial, stop, can't not watch a it. A commercial entertaining comedy. They're both very, very commercial, you know. I think Midnight Run might have my cousin Vinny beat by just a little bit. I spent some 
days with did I tell you the story? John Ashton came yep. to our festival one year and oh, spent I a week. I spent a week with John Ashton. How was that? I can't tell those stories on the podcast, but uh, next time oh, I see, see you. <laughs> so it colors your No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I, I think Midnight Run is great. I'm saying personally, if I have to pick between one or the other on cable, I'll go with my cousin Vinny. I know where Gabe's going with. Oh, not my cousin only, Vinny. Not only all this crap, but uh, something that's not crap is coming next week. It's the Katie's Kids Camp. Oh. I don't know why I say Katie's Kids. It's Katie's Kids. It's Katie's Kids Camp. That's happening next week. Taking the kids horseback riding. We're taking them to the beach, fishing, Museum of Science and Industry. There's a rock wall. Uh, but Can you ride the a crazy horse? Thing about, are you a horse rider? Horseback rider? No, I'm not going to ride a horse. I'm going to oh. put those kids on a horse and then like smack that horse in the ass and see how. <laughs> Hold on, kid. Uh, but uh, the thing that's fucked up this year is the transportation costs are like way up, of course. So like 80% of the cost for each kid is transportation. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, we have to go get them. They can't get to these places that we're taking them to. So... Uh, we could use money. So if anybody wants to donate to katieskids.com, send some kids to camp, do it. Uh, if, if you're in, we would really appreciate it. But uh, maybe we'll have Katie on uh, next week to come on and tell us how it went. I know how it's going to go for me. She's been on the show. Katie's been on this, on this show? Has she been on the show? No. No. What did we get on the show that had something to do with Katie's? Kids. Herb. Oh. Kay Hanley? Maybe we didn't. Katie Hanley? So last week when we were talking to Kay Hanley, Ben, um, Uh-oh. you were talking to Smack about the best 70s movie love song theme or best 70s or 80s movie. What did you say it was? Ready to Take Bar- a Chance Again from Foul Play. And who sings that? Barry Manilow. That's why I brought it up. Oh, the Barry Manilow thing. Yeah. Gabe, do you know this fucking song? No, I don't know this stuff. You, you, can we can we hear this? Sure. Barry Manilow. This is the first time we're gonna play Barry Manilow on the podcast. <laughs> Might get flagged for content here. I hope we do. Might be get flagged for being a fanalo. <laughs> oh, look at him. Look at him. I, 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 it's ultimate Manilow. I thought I said illegitimate Manilow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm hearing it. I don't think there's enough reverb on his voice. Well, I want to say this is not the right version. What, is it? there a different version? Oh here. Well it's the it's the it's the opening credits for um Would you like to take a shower? You remind me I live in a shell safe from What's different about this version? I don't know. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's just not as good as you remember it. Where's the chorus? That's coming. 
Burgess Meredith. Have you not seen Foul Play? I'm sure I have. I just watched uh, Silver Streak yesterday for the first time. Had a good time. For the first time? I think so. Wow. I saw that movie like 50 times when it came out. Here's the chorus. I don't know. I don't know, Ben. Listen, I said Queenie 70s love themes from movies. I didn't say, like, what's the best song of the 70s. This is a very specific no, I category. Know, I, I know what you said. I, I know. But I, I think there's one that is, there's one or two that is obviously better than this. Let me hear them. What do you got? What did you say? What did you say last week? Evergreen. Eh, I like this better. What's the other one? You like this better than Evergreen? Yeah. How? I don't. I don't know. I'm not a huge. And Evergreen what? Wait. Fan. Play Evergreen from A Star Is Born and tell me. I got it. This, play the version where she sings it with Chris Christopherson. It's the one that's in the movie, right? Right. And love. Gabe doesn't know if he can handle this. Is what he was saying. I think. I Gabe, what do you? The song what do you I was going to say. Endless love. Yes. First of all, Endless, Endless love, love, I don't too. think, is the 70s. And third of all, fuck Endless Love. You said 70s and 80s is what you <laughs> oh, said. I? You well, said that. Well, never mind what I and said. Look at this. It's already 10 times No, better. no, no. I'll take the way we were over this. <laughs> We're gonna talk about Streisand theme songs. Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna draw myself a bath. But the question is, do you like this or that shallow song from the Lady Gaga version? No. No what? Is this Chris Christopherson? Yeah. Not yet. Is he going to sing? Him. That's the back of his head. He's just there for moral support. I think he sings. Here he comes. He's like the Did fucking he Phantom of the Opera. No, Paul Williams wrote this, right? <laughs> I don't know. 78 episodes, we get to Paul Williams. She was with James Brolin for a while, or James Brolin. As... <laughs> I don't, I don't think she was with James Brolin yet. Uh, it's, it's just they might better, have been ben. together. They probably she probably slept with all of her leading men when they was were it before Convoys. Yes, it was. Yes. All right. Now I don't know if this counts as a, a love theme. I think it does, but nobody does it better. 
Spy Who Loved Me. Okay, now you've got me. That's a great one. That's a good one. And speaking of the 70s, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, man. That was sad. Did they say what happened? She's, she's been dealing with breast cancer for a long time. Uh, it's really sad. Uh, so what, what Olivia Newton-John song did you guys play first? I went, I went straight for a Greatest Hits album, so I played like 10 of them. I played uh, a little bit more love. A little more love? I go straight to Xanadu every time. Xanadu's a fucking jam. The song Xanadu. Yes. Yeah, the movie's horrible. It really is. And I've tried many, many, many times. You've never Most made respect. it through? No, dude. No, it's, it's, it's unwatchable. I guess maybe the first Olivia Newton-John song that I was into as a kid, and maybe I would say, okay, that's the one, is that I love you, I honestly love you. It's crazy. When you hear that song, it's, it's almost too intimate, you know? You just like you can't listen to that song with other people around. It's so private. It is one of the greatest vocal performances you'll ever hear in a pop song. Unbelievable. Gabe, who's on the show tonight? Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Get me out of it's this. Been, it's been a long time coming here. Is that a song? Long train? Whatever. It's a long time coming. Keeping with the theme of the zoo, the zoo, we have Mr. Brian St. Clair. Yeah. Who doesn't need much of an introduction because How do we get people him know who show? he is. I don't know. He's in San Diego right now, um, scarfing down a couple of fish tacos. Um, and then as soon as he's done with that, he'll make his way over here. Tell us a little bit about him, Gabe. Me? I can tell yeah. you this much. I can tell you this much. When you told me that you had him coming in to audition to play drums, and you said, do you want to come or whatever? I said, yes, I want to be there. And I sat in, and there was not much communication at all. All it was was him sitting behind the kit. <laughs> there never is. He sat behind the kit, and he says, what do you want to play? And you said, what do you want to play? And he said, cool magnet. Hit the, hit the cowbell. And after that song, you looked at me and said, you shook your head and you said, yeah. Well, I'd been a big fan of Brian's for years. Um, you know, we started doing that tour with Triple Fast Action. And, you know, I used to just kind of like hang out behind his kit and just watch him play or listen to him play and, you know, drink beers after the show and stuff like that. Um, and then I toured with them for a while, for about six months. Remember, we were out on the road for about a year and a half. It's like, what are you yeah. going to do? do now, Scott? Oh, go out for another six months with Triple Fast Action. <laughs> so, I mean, he was always the guy that I wanted. It was just, we thought he was done. He was out with Cheap Trick, Liz Fair, all that crap. I think, right? I think I did the math right on this. He's the drummer who's on the most local H studio albums as of this date right that's right he's on like four right. plus the no fun four. ep right and he's also the drummer who i guess was in the band the longest amount of time so far that's true true not a lot of people bring that up thank you ben thank you for 
being a producer and doing the math. Because <laughs> the merch guy is not going to do the math. I don't like to do the math. I collect the money, I give it all to you, and you do the math. Wait, what the fuck? You're supposed to do the math. No, I hate doing the math. Number one, the top job in doing merch is math. Well, selling then, merch, yes. Selling merch, yes. But creating merch, procuring the project to make sure it happens, getting it logistically from one place to the next. It's not math. That's, that's the part that you enjoy. Yes, that's the old tour manager in me. Drop shipping this crap to make sure. Again, tour manager. Most important part of your job is math. Making sure that we get paid the right amount. No, the most important thing in tour managing is time. Because time is money. <laughs> Who the fuck told you that? <laughs> Scott, what's the, the reason? Uh, the, the tour manager fairy? No. <laughs> what are you going to say there? What's man? the drum part that you think of first when you think of Brian Sinclair? What's his signature uh, drum part? Uh, his best drum part on a local H record? Yeah, local H. Nobody gives a shit about any other stuff mm. on a local H podcast. <laughs> um... I don't know. Like, just Brian is like the Terminator when he plays. He will not stop. Like, you know, I've seen drummers run out of gas, but Brian doesn't. He'll like start at a certain point and he just will go on. And it's it it's relentless. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if that's a question for me. What about you, Gabe? I've always, when I think of Brian's drumming and how it how it kind of uh, came to the forefront, I think of 12 Angry Months a lot because, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like taxi cabs just is so drum heavy in my mm. mind. One with Kid is a pretty amazing performance. Yes, the one with Kid, it's like, it's, it's like you have to think to listen to it because it's, it's on another level. Yeah. Like for me, honestly, my favorite. Brian performance is his drums on uh, Heroes. And he's not doing anything really crazy technical. But not, not David Bowie's Heroes, but Triple Fast Heroes. Uh, did I say that? Uh, but just the way he plays it and, and just the way he just crushes it. To me, that's, that's what Brian does, you know. So, so Here Comes the Zoo was his, his intro you know, to the band. And so the first song is Hands on the Bible, and it's triple-tracked. Triple? Double wasn't enough? Double wasn't enough. We decided we're going to triple-track this shit. Triple-track the drums. He triple-tracked Hands on the Bible. Yes. And you're hearing all three tracks in the finished product. Yes. So you got the one in the center, and you got the ones on the outside. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's awesome. I was really into Fleetwood Mac. Hey, everybody. It's Brian St. Clair. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. It's hey, Brian. Gabe. Gabe, you have a tan. Of course I do. I'm in Florida. And I get out oh, I thought you were in California. That he thought you were in time. California, but you're in Florida. He's, he, if, he, if you ever come to Florida, you should look him up. Where are you at? I'm on the Atlantic side. In Jacksonville area. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you there in probably a couple few weeks or something. Oh, you're going to Jacksonville? Yeah. 
Oh. With Cheap Trick and Rod Stewart. Okay. So you're still out with Rod Stewart. Yeah. Well, we're on a break right now. Mm. So tell us about the dick on the kick. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Do we have to talk about this? I don't know yeah. if I can get sued or not, but we, okay. I guess we haven't heard the of... resolution. If there's an end to this story, we haven't heard it yet. So go for it. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So am I telling the whole story or have you already told this in previous episodes? We've, we've talked about it. Oh, you have? Yeah. So the cat's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag. Everybody but tell knows. the whole story in your okay. own words. Okay. For so the jury. We, we were setting up all of our gear <laughs> side stage at the Hollywood Bowl. And, wow. and, you know, it's a heavy union house. You're not allowed to touch anything. So I thought that the, uh, the local crew chief was coming down on us because we didn't want them like unlitting our cabinets and like helping us set up drums. And so we finished all of our stuff and I guess we can swear on this. I almost said shit, but then Fuck I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Okay. And, and so then Rod Stewart always does his sound check after cheap trick. Really? It's kind of weird. We, we roll our stuff out in front of his stuff and then we check and then we walk away. Then he comes out and he checks. Why is that? Cause he just doesn't want to sing that early in the day. I, I think it's cause he it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we leave, we're done and Rod Stewart does his thing. And then doors open, cheap trick go on third song in Robin Zander turns to Dax and he goes, there's a dick on your drum. He goes, what? And they're playing, you know, yeah. and, and he, there's a dick on your drum. <laughs> and so at the break, I ran around front and sure as shit, there was a dick drawn on the drum. And so, so I grab a piece of white gaff. I put it over it as if, you know, nobody saw it yet, but it was already the third song. I think everybody saw it. And so then I text the promoter. I'm like, one of your fucking stage hands defaced the cheap trick kick head and put a dick on there. And there's something coming out of the dick. And, and he was like, no, no. I was like, yes, you need to get to the bottom of this. I want them fired. I want wow, whatever, whatever we can do. I want done. So halfway through the, uh, probably about maybe five, six songs later, he uh, texts me, he goes, it wasn't our crew. And I said, who was it? He goes, it was Rod Stewart. We have him on video. <laughs> Fire him. Fire him. And, and, and so, so I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I want to see the tape. He goes, I can't show it to you. <laughs> I was like, I want a copy to show management. I can't give it to you. So they were holding it and they wouldn't let me see it. But um, yeah. So then their tour, their production manager came back and talked to me and he said, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. And, and there was a, our truck driver saw a pic, saw a big dick drawn on their heart <laughs> case outside. And he took a picture and sent it to us. He's like, does the dick look like this? I was like, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> so I guess that's his tag. So whose dick do you think it is? I mean, whose whose dick is he drawing all over the place? Oh, I don't know. Because it's it's horrifying. Yeah, you've seen the picture. Yeah, you sent me the picture. Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, when when this uh, podcast comes out, instead of a picture of you, it's going to be a picture of that dick. Oh awesome. no! Cut out the cheap trick logo, though. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Rod Stewart and has had something going on with dicks for a long time now. And stuff that comes out of dicks. 
Oh boy. <laughs> so has he mentioned it? I mean, does he does he talk no. to the band at all? No. Well, I think he's talked to them. I'm never I'm never there when they cross paths backstage, so I don't know how much they've talked, but he knows that we know that he did it and he does <laughs> I don't think he cares. He just could care less. <laughs> of course. So so what we do is we we instead of putting a new head on we just we leave that so rod can be proud of his artwork every night on stage then when we do a cheap trick headline show we'll cover it with white gaff <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good yeah i don't know i think they should incorporate you should get them to incorporate it into their stage pattern uh you know rick rick should tell the story every night and point to the drum heads <laughs> and- he could but that would eat up too much time. They only have an hour. Oh, fair enough. So, Brian, I don't really know how to do this with you because I feel like we know each other too well. Oh, and Jesus. I feel, feel like you'd be impervious to my uh, interview technique. Oh, so God. I thought we'd do something that uh, we don't normally do on this show. Oh, uh, great. Just go to your Wikipedia page. Oh, and, shit. And uh, Brian has a pretty good Wikipedia. Have you, did you write this? Uh, no, somebody started a, a million years ago. I don't know if it was Mike Rosenquist started it, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. A long time ago. All right, and well, then, go and then things have been added. Yeah. Well, let's check this puppy out. Oh, Jesus. Brian St. Clair, born in May 1960-something, is an American drummer best known as a member of the rock duel Local H. Hey, hey. that's you. Yeah. From July 1999 until October 2013. Does that check out? Uh, July 99? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Yes, that show. Someone needs to update that. No, the Rockford Waterfront show was like August 99. But I don't think, I don't, it was August. It wasn't July. Yeah, but you joined the band before that. No, because remember I said I had to think about it. No, that's not what happened. What happened was <laughs> you, you, you said, okay, uh, I called you, said, what, what do you think? Because at this point, you know, you're like, I'm never playing drums again, and yep. I couldn't find a drummer. And so Wes was like, call Brian. I was like, he won't do it. He's like, he might. I think he will. So I call you, and I was like, hey, you want to do this? He's like, well, I have a day off next week. Let me, let me go there. So you come to practice space. We played what? Cool Magnet? Yeah, I, that's what I remember. And yes. then I was like, oh, well, this is good. You want to do this? He goes, well, let me call Cheap Trick. And he went outside and called Cheap Trick. There was no And I, ta- I talked to Bunny, and Bunny told me I needed to do it. Yeah. He pushed me towards it. And then I had to call my wife. <laughs> right. Because it was like a huge decision. It wasn't just a me decision. Right, right, right. So she was the second call? I think she was the second call. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, honey. Yeah. What was your what were you what what was your job then? What were you doing for Cheap Trick drum, at that point? Drum tech for Bunny. Right. And how long had you done that before you started playing with Local H? I want to say it was like eight or nine months, something like that. So, so you've you've been with those guys forever. Yeah. So it says here you're raised in Fullerton, California. Yeah. Okay. Brian's family moved to the town of Glen Ellen, Illinois, in 1980. That sounds right. That sounds right. Well, what were you playing drums by the point by that time? Or did you <clears throat> no, I, I had I had a drum set, but I wasn't playing yet. I was just kind of Bobby Brady for a while. 
What does that mean? You know, the Bobby Brady episode where he just kind of just hits shit. I don't remember that episode. Are you guys, you guys. I've seen every, on... I've seen, seen them all. I mean, I, I can play that game. I don't remember. Oh yeah. Remember we always used to play that game. It was like, I know what episode this is. You try to figure out who can, what episode it is before everybody else. I'm really good at that game. I don't remember him banging on pots and pans. Oh, it was on a drum set that his parents bought him a kit. And it was a disaster. He was just making noise all the time. So that was me. Bobby Brady had to be the ugliest kid of all time. I mean, he looks fucking crazy. And then it wasn't until um, probably 80, late 81, early 82, that my brother and one of his friends were starting a band. And uh, so your they, parents brought this all the way across the country and you hadn't even touched it yet? No, I, I hadn't touched it. It just, oh, I didn't okay. know what I was doing. All right. This guy across the street uh, played drums and his dad taught him, I think. And so he taught me a beat and then I joined what turned into political justice. Ah, that's on here. Yeah. Political justice. What's eyes on Troy? Eyes on Troy was a, another local Glen Ellen band. This guy, Pat Wickham, he was the main guy. Okay. They were kind of new wave. So how did you meet Wes? Um, <clears throat> I met Wes, I think, through my brother and Andy mm -hmm. Henderson, Spud Boy, the singer of Political <laughs> yeah. Justice. So Wes wasn't the first guitarist of Political Justice. It was Scott Spalo. And then then we brought Wes in to practice with us one day. I think Scott didn't show up for practice or something. And then uh, that was it. Then Wes was the guitarist. Huh. And what was Denied Remarks? Denied Remarks was a Downers Grove band. You might know some of those guys. Uh, Robert Byrne. Yep. Rob. Yep. Robert Byrne was the guitarist. At what point did you join God's Acre? Um, after Group of Individuals. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how many fucking bands were you in in high school? I was in a All lot of, of bands. Yeah. Um, God's Acre, I think I joined. It might have been my senior year in high school when I joined God's Acre. I think. And um, we were pretty good. We were a good band. That yeah. was like political justice were great. God's Acre were great. And then I joined Rights of the Accused and it was just super fun and great because that's where that's when I started drinking and doing other bad things. And right. it was just it was like crazy fun. You know, were you living in Chicago at that point or are you still out in the suburbs with Rights of the Accused? I was still in the suburbs when I joined, but then I, I moved downtown shortly after that. And how did you guys get hooked up with ministry and thrill kill cult and all those guys um through wax tracks basically and you were um, working at wax tracks i was were working you? at wax tracks at the yeah. time and uh al would come in everybody loved mike so mm. mike kind of formed all the main friendships and everything with like al and paul and the, those guys in ministry and then i became friends with marston and frankie through the store because they would hang out at the store all the time from thrill kill right and uh so yeah that's how all that happened wax tracks brian do you remember a long-haired mexican dude about my height that came into wax tracks <laughs> looking for misfits records no you told me you told me about it i think his name was gabe oh yeah 
I don't think I remember you because you had hair down to your ass. Yeah. And you had, I don't know if it was your personal collection or if it was the, the record store's collection, but I, I bought some records from you. Like oh, okay. For, for money back then. You, you don't remember this? For I money. don't remember that. I was it was it records from like a list that were on the the bulletin board? I don't know. I've or were they singles? They were they singles in the rare section behind the counter. I don't know if they were your personal collection or if they were the record storage collection, but you were the guy. It was like I got to see that dude about the, getting the three hits from hell seven inch, and I did. How you much don't you remember? pay? Maybe twenty bucks. That was a lot of money back then. <laughs> yeah, but it's worth about. What, 500 now? Yeah. Okay. You're but selling fact, records now, aren't you? Like, I, I'll buy a bunch of records, then I'll clean them up and flip them. Uh-huh. I do that for fun and for extra money. But um, <laughs> but I, I, my problem is I, I don't want to sell anything once I get it and clean it up. That's my problem. Well, you sold all of your records, like, what, 20 years ago? It was when, I, when Triple Fast broke up. I had to sell all my drum kits and my records so I could move to New York. What's involved with cleaning up a record? Describe that process. <clears throat> well, <laughs> you know, people could YouTube this stuff if they were really interested, or we could waste time on this show. We could just talk to you, and if it's not good, we'll cut it out. Yeah. See, this makes sense, because uh, you might not know this. I know Ben doesn't know this, but Brian paid for his wedding with Star Wars figures. Yeah. <laughs> so when he was a kid, this is the kind of kid that Brian was. He would buy two of every Star Wars figure, one to play with mm-hmm. and one to save and keep in the box because he was going to get married someday. No, it's because uh, they look cool. It, it, it was like you, something to hold. You could look at it and they like all the characters on the back and it just looked awesome. The foresight <laughs> of a little kid doing that it chills me to the bone, Brian. It scares me. <laughs> yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, apparently. So here's something I didn't know. Uh, in 1988, uh, you were taken on tour with Ministry. Let's talk about that. You become close friends with Al, who took them in the studio to sing backup vocals on the 1000 Homo DJ's record and put oh, yeah? the band, well, this I didn't know, and put the band in his video for the song Stigmata from the Land of Rape and Honey, where St. Clair played drums, Herb played bass, Wes played guitar, and Mike jumped around and yelled. <laughs> However, it is very hard to see anyone other than Mike due to all of the fog produced by the fog machine on the set. Yes, that was at, that was at Medusa's. Yeah? Yeah, it was filmed at Medusa's. That's it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so how was, how was it going on tour with Ministry? It was a lot of fun. Um Ogre from Skinny Puppy was there. Uh, Trent Reznor was there on and off. Wow. Uh, the regular ministry guys, like all those guys. And everybody was out of their minds. Was Joe Kelly there yet? No, that was before <laughs> Joe Kelly. But uh, Jerry Rogers yeah. was our was our tech on that. Wow. And I don't think he knew how to tech. He didn't do anything. He just no. kind of stood there <laughs> and looked intimidating so nobody would jump on the stage when we were up there. Right. And how long was that? How long was that tour for? I think that was like a, it could, I think it might've been like a three week tour. Cause then it was split into two parts. We did the first half and I think the skate nigs did the second half. How did right to the cues break up? What was that situation? We couldn't get another record deal. We made, mm-hmm. we made another record at Jay's garage, 
Jay O'Rourke's studio in Chicago. Right. And uh, and we shopped it and we went and did the new music seminar. And um, Joe Kelly was at that one because we played with we played with Red Cross mm-hmm. at some club and I just got totally shit faced and I went to their dressing room and I started puking everywhere <laughs> and they came in and I started screaming at him, telling him to get out of my dressing room. <laughs> and what'd they say? So I think they just stood there and they waited for someone to get rid of me. And so Joe Kelly and Dave Fry took, put me in a cab, gave the cab driver money and said, drop me at this address and make sure he gets inside. Uh-huh. And I woke up at Dave's office in New York. So I, the guy was nice enough to actually not just throw me on the curb. He got me inside somehow. Wow. This sounds suspiciously like another story that we've heard before, Uh oh. but, but we, we won't get into that one yet. <laughs> okay. So next it says kid in St. Clair formed triple fast action. who released several singles on indie labels and a full CD on Capitol records and one on Debo and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so how did that happen? Like, did Wes just call you one day? I've got an idea for this band. Basically, um, Wes and I thought that we were just going to have to go back to school and get real jobs. And Really? Yeah. I, I think we were both done, or we thought we <laughs> thought we were. Yeah. And then... Burnt out 23-year-olds? Yeah. I think it was <laughs> probably three or four months after not speaking to each other. Nobody spoke to each other for a while. Yeah. And uh, he just said he had an idea for a new band. Would I be interested in playing drums? And I said, sure, why not? And uh, at a party, Brian Blockenshire introduced me to Kevin. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin introduced us to Ronnie. How long did it take before people started sniffing around like major labels and stuff like that? Not very long. It felt like an eternity, but I think it was like two years, which really? is actually really quick for the people out there that are trying to, you know, do this. Right. But you've been, you guys have been in other bands together. So, it, it you know, it yeah, like maybe it would happen a little quicker. For... Mm, no, because nobody wanted rights to the accused. Why would they want right. a rights to the accused <laughs> spinoff? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, well, it wasn't a rights to the accused spinoff. Well, no, but it was, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't think any labels knew who rights the accused were to begin with. So we were kind of the only reason anybody found us was because of local H and Veruca Salt and Liz Fair and material see, issue. See, I don't remember it that way. Like, you know, Veruca Salt was out there, but like you guys were out there, too, before we were right Gabe, no, you, West... you guys, no, you, we, when rights, when triple fast went to record our album in New York city, ham fisted was already out. Yeah. But that's just cause we, we were faster. <laughs> we just, it was... we did a, a faster turnaround, but I don't think that we were, but that was, that was one of the direct reasons for labels coming there. You were one of those bands that were signed before, you know, fig dish and triple fast. And I think loud Lucy. You guys were signed before those bands. Well, when did Triple Fast get signed? Uh, 94. That was the I same mean, year. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty much the same time. I mean, it was probably months apart. What, did you guys just sell Island a made record or something? 
No, we just went in and did it, you know? Like we we were in and out of there in like two or three weeks. You mean you didn't go to New York and like sit there for six months making a <laughs> million dollar record and then it didn't it didn't sound right, so then it had to go somewhere else and for no. another year it waited and then came out? How 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 much did that weigh on you? That that whole process? Oh, I think it weighed on Wes a lot more than the rest of us. We were just excited that it was finally coming out. But for Wes, I think he had a whole nother record in his head. He was mm -hmm. already done with Broadcaster. And it seems like Capital did their damnedest to destroy every band that they signed at some point or another. A lot of great <laughs> second records that never got their due or came out at all. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for us, it was it was different, I think, than the other bands. Maybe um, mm -hmm. we uh, we were told we had to sit at home for six months while they set up another single, and yeah. and we told them the reason we signed with you was because we wanted to tour, right. and they was like, "Well, you can't tour till we put this other single out," and that caused a bunch of problems, and then. A bunch of stuff was said that couldn't be taken back and then at that point we weren't on the label anymore what was the second single gonna be bird again
So, yeah. What do we talk about now? So <laughs> let's talk about like uh, the breakup of triple fast action. Cause West didn't quite remember any of it. And I remember <laughs> that it was when we were on tour doing the, the winter dance party, right? You were, you were playing in Ronnie's place. Cause Ronnie was out of the band at that point. Right. Yeah. And that's when it happened, right? Yeah. That's when I made the decision to leave the band. Right. What was going on then? Um, well, Dave Fry was bankrolling us. Mm -hmm. We couldn't, we, we weren't making enough money on our own to sustain touring. Um, when we had capital, they were giving us money to tour. It's for those of you that don't know out there, it's called tour support. Mm -hmm. And so without capital, we didn't have that big bank card. And uh, Dave started funding us and paying for things. And it just it just started getting the hole kept getting deeper and deeper. And we didn't really see, uh, you know, getting picked up by a major and, you know, having this tour support anymore. And I felt personally guilty mm. that we were allowing Dave to do this. Right. I mean, you know. It was pretty amazing that a manager would do that to begin with. And he kept saying, don't worry about it. It's a tax write off. Right. And and so uh, I made the decision. I was just like, you know, I'm moving to New York to be with Laura. And, you know, I would be more than happy to teach any drummer whatever I need to teach them to be in this band. And I think it was I think Wes said just flat out, if you're not in the band, I don't want to be in this band or something. Huh. I don't want to continue. Right. And uh, so I thought I thought for sure they were going to get another drummer. I didn't think it was going to end the whole thing. Oh, really? I, I never in a wild, wildest dreams did I think Wes would hang it up because I was moving to New York. And, you know, the other thing is, and I thought about this after the fact, like years later, me and you were able to do it me living in New York and you living in Chicago. Right. But the difference there was that local H had a name for themselves. Local H had like this following and we could play wherever we wanted and there would be a draw. Triple fast would play in St. Louis and, you know, sullen would show up, you know, mm. and we would go to like some other Kansas city and like, you know, 10 people would show up unless we were playing with somebody. So, it just it would not have worked even if we decided to, for me to live in new york and you know it just wouldn't have worked right it still must have been hard though because i felt like you guys were getting more traction on an indie label than you ever had on a major and like it, it felt like at that dance party the winter dance party thing like things were starting to happen in in an indie small mm -hmm. way you know so it must have been tough to make the decision yeah but at the same time, I think that uh, you can only you can only have somebody bankroll you for so long. And yeah. I mean, if you have no guilt over that, I mean, I don't know. It's just right. It says it something just, about you if you got no guilt about something like that. It's just it's a bad situation to get into. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. 
So after that, you went to be the drum tech for Bunny Carlos of Cheap Trick. Yes. And you were credited on Cheap Trick's Silver DVD. Yep. I remember that show. Uh, Brian has been the tour manager for Liz Fair, Brazilian Girls, Mickey Free, Triple Fast Action, and Local H. He has also been dubbed one of the hardest working drummers in rock history. So let's talk about the Liz Fair tour. Oh, okay. What do you want to know? I don't know. I mean, had you known Liz before you started working? Never met her once. Yeah. Um, it was, were you with Provident Financial? Yep. Provident? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know Rit? Did you know Rit? I don't know. So Rit liked the way that I did the triple fast action books. Uh-huh. So he suggested me to Liz's manager, who was Doc McGee's brother. Right. His name was Scott McGee. Right. And uh, I went in for an interview and they they said if I wanted the job, I could have it. So I took it. And then I didn't have to sell that goddamn fucking record collection, Gabe. And I didn't have to sell any of my record, any of my drums or anything. Because I got that job within like the first month of living in New York. I couldn't believe you had done that. You told me you were doing that. I was like, you're, you're out of your mind. Why? Why would you? Why? Why? Why, why would you do that? Because I thought I'd, I didn't think I was going to get a job in a year. I thought it was going to take me a long time to get a job. How long did you work for Liz? I did the whole Lilith Fair tour, and then I did. Who else the, was on that? Uh, um, I knew you were going to ask me that. Sarah McLaughlin was headlining. Uh huh. Um, Lisa Loeb. No, she, was she? She might have been. He doesn't. Sounds know. right. Okay, Amy Lisa Loeb. Cheryl Crow. No, it was. Um, uh, Missy Elliott was there. Missy Misdemeanor Elliott? Yes, yes. Wow. That was cool. That was cool. Um, and uh, the girl that was the singer of, not the Cranberries, what was the name of that really bad band? I never oh. liked them. You're not, not talking about the Cardigans, are you? What no, was the singer's name? Four Nine Blondes? No, she went solo <laughs> and she became really famous solo. Linda too. Perry. No, <laughs> I don't know. Become famous solo. What's mad with you? Anyways. So, yeah, so, I did the and I still talk to Rick Mank from time to time. He was the drummer. I yeah. met him and Buddy Judge was a great guy. I, I don't keep in touch with him, but he was a good guy. He was in her band. And um and then I did the chocolate space. But, you know, all that, all that, uh, all that stuff that you heard about her, like being, like having stage fright. I, I never really saw any of that. If she had stage fright, she hid it very well. Right. Or she got over it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I remember seeing her like at the Metro with red, red meat and she kept doing this thing with her leg and, you know, like just kept shaking and i was mm-hmm. like all right she could be just using that to keep in time but it was sometimes it would be almost uncontrollable mm. like she I, was I, great I, live yeah but i think yeah. she was definitely yeah. going through a lot of it at the beginning and that was just something that she couldn't shake mm. then you did the brazilian girls what i haven't heard from those guys in a long time they broke up yeah yeah uh they're all doing things they're all doing their own things 
And then um, I guess, well, Sabina, have you ever heard of that show called Baskets on Hulu? Yeah. She's she's one of the stars in that. Oh, who is she in that? She's like the the wife. Oh, the hot wife that from from Paris or whatever. Yeah. Oh, she's great. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and Aaron, the drummer, he's like doing really well. He he played with uh, David Byrne for a while and he does this jazz thing. Hmm. Yeah. So St. Clair's hobbies include bird watching. Which I haven't is, done in a long time. That's you're not keeping up with your bird watching? No. What's going on? I just I've seen most of everything. I Been mean, there, done that when it comes to the bird world. Yeah, yeah, I, and it's just you know, it's not as fun without my New York friends that I used that got me into birding. Right. You know, moving away from New York, I kind of lost all my my birding buddies. I'm sorry. It's I all right. You like that. Yeah. In 1998, Brian St. Clair auditioned for the world-famous Blue Man Group and was told to start taking acting classes so he could join in the future. He took three months of classes at T. Schreiber Acting School, then got too busy with Cheap Trick to continue. Yep. You went to acting classes. Yeah, I did. It was was tough. Favorite exercise, acting exercise. They would like just tell you to like pretend like you were really excited and it was really hard for me to pretend uh-huh. I, I wasn't a very good student it's hard for you to be excited brian <laughs> i know much less i'm not i'm not pretend. very excited no you're not excited you're not an excitable boy no and so around this point you joined uh local h i don't see that here mm. i mean it's here but uh so here comes the zoo yes turns turned 20 this year and uh i think now is as good an opportunity as ever to announce that yes brian will be coming with us on tour we're very <laughs> glad to have you brian <laughs> oh scott you're funny so it, let's talk about that record it was because of you that jack douglas did that record right yeah i i met him uh you and i had already i had already joined local h and I was still in New York and Cheap Trick were playing someplace. Uh, I can't remember where. And um, I went and after the show, there was an after party and I was there and Jack was there and I was talking to Jack and telling him, you know, he was like, why did you quit being Bunny's Tech? And Bunny was like, mm-hmm. oh, because he joined Local H. He's like, Local H, I've heard of that band. And so then, of course, I had to do the stupid thing like, you know, Bam, bam, bada, bam. Right. Keep it copacetic, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I know that song." So then I said, "We're actually going to be making a record, and we're looking for a producer." And he was all over it, and that that was it. Yeah, because I mean, we the, we had already done a record with with Roy Thomas Baker, so the plan was not to do another record with a producing legend. Mm-hmm. But then you were like, "Well, Jack wants to do it," and I was like. Fuck. Okay. All right. Well, we've got to do this, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what do you remember about those sessions? Um, Because your first, we toured before we started recording, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to whittle everything down. And I think you wrote 
hands on the Bible as a last second thing to make the label happy, if I remember correctly. Well, they brought Michael Lago in to work with us and we had already written like 25 or 30 songs. And so we had this idea that we were going to put out a 10 song record, like back in black. And then Alago came on and he's like, yeah, I think you need a couple more songs. And I was like, fuck you. No, 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 no. And then I went to go see almost famous and I came out of that and I, you know, kind of grounded me. And then, you know, we went to the practice space and we wrote hands on the Bible. So what was, like, was, the right. uh, what was the what other song? What was the other late edition? What would you have me do? Really? Yeah. That wasn't one of the regular, one of the first songs? Mm -mm. No. And I didn't think anything of what would you have. I was like, this is a throwaway song if there ever was one. And they went nuts for both of the songs. I was like, mm -hmm. really? Because like my plan with Hands on the Bible was like, all right, you want a single? I'm going to give you the most fucked up single we can write. That's not a single. And they're like, <laughs> no, this is great. I was like, you're, you're kidding. So both of those songs. And so then I was kind of like, well, I don't really dig what would you have me do? So then that's when we came up with the whole idea of the big coda. Yeah. You know, I remember we were playing New Year's <laughs> Eve and I had to go to the practice space to load up and it was cold as shit. And so it was, you know, hold tight. It will be cold tonight. It's New Year's Eve, all that kind of crap. Wow. That was it. Cool. But loading in, I mean, we, we first started loading in in... Uh, in New Jersey, the it is it is what it is studios, right? Yeah, that's right. It was was it Weehawken? Weehawken, New Jersey, right? Yeah. And um, I I just remember uh, Jack built this huge long. Well, I don't know if it was him or Jay Messina. They they built that really long thing off the kick drum, right? And they put all those tarps over it. Right. And and they mic'd the very end of that. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird. But Roy did that too. Did he? Yeah. I don't think So that was like a classic rock trick. Yep. That's a classic rock trick. I don't think his was as long as uh I don't think Roy's was as long as Jack's, but yeah. uh you know, it was in the same same vein. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I I remember uh everybody coming in recording with us. I don't remember a lot in between. I think I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think I enjoyed myself a lot there. Why not? I think the pressure was on. I think it was just there was there's a lot more pressure on a drummer that just joins a band that's already already established than a band that he's been in forever. Yeah, but see, I didn't feel like you felt any pressure. I was going crazy with pressure. Like I, I was, I, I couldn't hack, I couldn't hack it. But I didn't feel like you were going through anything at all. I thought you were just like, oh, this is great, this is fun. And meanwhile, I'm over there going, I'm miserable. Like if well, only we could have told each other we were miserable. <laughs> and I, I remember, I remember you throwing up into the voice coder thing or whatever it's called. What are those called? The, the uh, it was a uh, talk box, a talk, talk box. box. Okay, yeah. I remember you, you threw up in that because it like vibrated your throat or something weird. Right. Yeah. You <laughs> threw up, and then I remember they. I remember you were somebody who said, "Well, let's just wash it off and return it." <laughs> and I think somebody returned it to to Guitar Center. Use that on uh, on Baby Wants to Tame Me. Is that what it is? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that record doesn't sound very, ex- it doesn't sound like it, it's an experimental record, but we were experimenting on that thing all the time. A lot. I mean, Didn't Jack do the, the spinning microphone thing at one point? Yeah. Did yeah. he do that? Or was he doing the microphone spinning? Or he was did, that but what, what was the point of that? I think he was trying to recreate something he did with Aerosmith. Yeah, there's a lot of Aerosmith tricks that he was doing. Because I had just read that Aerosmith book, and I was just kind of like, do this, do that. You know, Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Tell me about working with John Lennon. I was listening to the Jack mixes to approve something today, and that fish. Oh, that's great. Baby Wants to Tame Me. How did that happen? Were there... Because it goes across the stereo field back and forth. Were there two mics and you were like going back and forth against two mics? I don't remember there being two mics, but I, I listened to that myself recently. And I thought that was a really cool thing that we cut out. It, it might have been too much at the time. But now that it's people are so used to the original version, that'll be kind of refreshing to hear something as different as that.
How much over budget did that record go? I don't know exactly, but but for me it was a big deal that it was the first time. I I mean I was always proud of myself that we'd always came in on budget or or under budget. And then it was delayed because of 9-11. It was just, it oh, was hard right. for me to listen to that record for a long, long time. <clears throat> I was used to delays and over budgets. Yeah. That didn't bother me. Hmm. I'm starting to put two and two together here. Let <laughs> me see what the thing is here. So then what's Wikipedia got to say? Uh, on August 21st, 2013, are you sure you didn't write this? He announced <laughs> that he would be de- departing from Local H after a farewell tour to focus on his tour management company. Mm. Does that sound right to you? Does that check out? Well, I played my last show in October, right? Of 2013? Yeah. When did we announce that? When did? Uh oh, my alarm's going off. Uh oh. Who it's is been it? Been an hour. On well, hey, you, is your press your press agent going to bust in on no, August twenty first? Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No. There's there's a concert tonight. This have you ever heard of a band called Foxing? Foxing. F O X I N G. No. One of my friends in Chicago. Uh, this guy, Joe Wood, you might know him. Yeah, I know Joe. Yeah. So Joe loves these guys. And they're playing in San Diego tonight. And Where? so Soda Bar. Oh, nice. Small, intimate club. So I'm going to that tonight. When do they play? <laughs> Five minutes. I don't know. The doors were at seven. There's two openers. So what? Maybe nine? So what time is it right now? It's eight, eight o'clock. Oh, you'll make it. Oh, yeah. I'll have plenty of time. That was just my reminder. Oh, good. All right. That I don't go to sleep. <laughs> so you did that right. tour. You did the tour knowing it was the end, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. But you didn't announce it till the very end, right? Is that what happened? Like that I last know. show? I don't remember. No, it being I think, a I think tour. it was. De- yes, it definitely was. It was Brian's last tour. That was that was the idea going into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was nice for you, I guess, right? That you got are you, to. Are you are you looking at me or Gabe? I'm looking at you. Oh, <laughs> I don't believe <laughs> okay. Gabe was there. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I had a lot of fun on that tour, honestly. No. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. I think, and I I think it was just because. There were a lot of people that came up to me and were, I, I, you know, they were all saying goodbye and this and that. And I couldn't tell if they were being sincere or if they thought I was an asshole because I was leaving the band. I couldn't tell. I, I kind of had this feeling that people were like upset with me that I made a decision to move on. Yeah. I mean, why would people come up to you? I don't and know. And talk to you in the first place if they weren't being sincere. I don't know. So now you're, you're not a civilian. You're still in music. I mean, why, why still in music? Because that's all I know how to do. Yeah, that's it, huh? I, I, I haven't reinvented myself like Gabe or like, Gabe, you know. What did I do? I didn't reinvent I don't, myself. You're bouncing all over the place. You're like living in all these different states and cities. So are and, you. 
Not really. I just, I, I moved to New York and then I moved to Michigan. You've been living yeah, out of a suitcase on the road for all the time. Years. Yeah. You're on the road just as much as you ever were. Yeah. But um, I don't have to ride in a cargo van. <laughs> I ride Easy. in a bus. Easy. I, I ride I ride in a bus and I fly and um yeah and I don't have to load in my own shit it's somebody else's shit that I have to load in mm-hmm. you know it's just it was time I, I yeah I just I yeah and I think I think it was better for both of us as well honestly sure sure but I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you playing drums. I'm talking about, you know, you getting the itch to be a musician. Because honestly, man, you're you're one of the best musicians I've ever played with. You know, and it's got to oh, be tough on. to give. Oh, yeah, of course you are. Stop it. And it's got to be tough to, you know, just let that lie there sometimes. I mean, I know you're playing that Cars yeah. cover band, but, you know, so that's got to scratch an itch. Yeah, I played one show with them. I played one show with them. We rehearsed a bunch, but we did one show. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I don't play drums when I'm at home. We've got a drum kit in the basement and it just kind of collects dr- dust, you know? Yeah. But your kids are playing. Yeah, they play, but they're, they're playing keyboards and guitars and stuff. They, they only play drums once in a while. It's not yeah. their main in- instrument. No. All right. So you don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Okay, so last question. Who is more vehemently opposed to a triple fast action reunion, you or Wes? Wes. It's Wes. It's Wes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Go on. Tell us more. Um, well, you know that, as a lot of your viewers or listeners probably know, is that triple fast did the Cattlemen Don't Reissue. Yes. And... What they might not know is that we're working on a, another record. It's going to be a triple album with all the material prior to Broadcaster that okay. a lot of most people haven't heard. It's lots of music. And um, I, me and Kevin have talked about it, and we both said basically, you know, I think, I think Kevin really wants to play live. Yeah, I would just like to get in the studio with Wes because I know he's got more in him. Yeah. And we've got all these songs that aren't even finished. There's a whole bunch of songs that have music, but there's no lyrics or anything, no melody. And we could I mean, we could easily do an EP tomorrow. Mm. It would be really easy to put together. And uh, I would be I would be down for that. As far as playing live, uh, I don't know. I don't think that's as important as maybe just getting the music out. I think it would be fun just to record with the guys. And, and Wes doesn't want to do that either. And see where it went. I don't think he's 100% opposed. I think he's probably right. 95% opposed. <laughs> but right. every year that goes by is just one year that we haven't done anything. And I think it's just harder and harder every year to kind of plan anything because we're all getting older. 
Sure, sure. But, you know, like absence makes, makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, you know, you guys go in, do an EP, put out a reissue. Next thing you know, you're headlining Riot Fest. Oh, geez. <laughs> Who knows? Weirder things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go to your concert. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's, no, be, before before you say anything, Gabe, I'll just cut to the chase. Replacements. Thank you. No, no, no. Hold <laughs> okay. on. A second. No, no, no. Oh, no chance. You. No way. Oh, that's that's not what you were gonna say. That's something else. But <laughs> replacements. Come on, Brian. I'm, yeah, I, 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 you're better than this. I don't have one Iron Maiden record in my collection, but I do have replacements albums. God bless you, Brian Sinclair. Do you like any Iron Maiden songs? Murder in the Room Org. There you go. <laughs> that's At least he likes a good one. <laughs> that's, my fav- that's my favorite song by them. That is Herb's too, yeah. It's is it really? Oh, yeah. I tried getting rights to the cues to cover that, and nobody wanted to do it. Herb would have. Here's my impersonation of Herb. Murder's in the Room Org. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it, Gabe? Was that your big no, question? No, no, we can't leave this hanging out there. It's like a, it's like a dingleberry waiting to get wiped <laughs> that hasn't been wiped. So listen, Scott, you know the whole story. Bring it up. What? Let's get it out in the open here. There's a there's a story. Oh, there's a story about Rice of the Accused when someone right. in a hotel room did some stuff that was fi- kind of filthy. Scott, go ahead. Here's the whole reason we have you on the show. You're here to clear it up. Who <laughs> left the poo in the hotel room next to Herb's head? <laughs> It was it was next to his feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasn't next to his head. All right, spoken like a man who did it. Go on. Um what did Herb say happened? <laughs> well, here's it's like Rashomon at this point, but Herb said that it was you. Uh Wes Herb said, said it was Herb you. said everyone said that they accused Herb. Herb took the That's blame. That's not for true. It. That's not true. Herb owned up to it before anybody could even say anything well, he wasn't sure no, well, what first happened, you guys thought it was carcass because carcass left oh, so you thought right. it was probably carcass okay and, i and forgot then, about carcass and then they said herb well why did you do that because he's and then herb goes well i guess i did he didn't yeah. own up to it he said well i guess it must have been me because that sounds like something i would do but it wasn't him was it no it wasn't <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how many years later we played this game called Truth Time. Uh-huh. And um, I just out of the blue said, Truth Time, I pooped. <laughs> and Herb gave me the biggest Charlie horse in my arm. I still feel it right now. So, so what the fuck? Like, we just thought it'd be funny to do that. What was going on? No, um, we were we were having a good time in New York and we were staying at some place i think it was called like the the star something hotel or something i don't know anyways and it's where all the bands would stay because they had parking on site and you got to back up against a wall and protect all your gear so we all went over there after one of our it was a, a like a cmj show or something 
And there was uh, a party with a conga line involved. And I don't remember anything about okay. conga lines or parties. <laughs> all I remember is that we were all completely out of our minds. <laughs> and uh, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and running to the bathroom. And then when I, after I was done, I realized that maybe something came out on my way to the bathroom. <laughs> so I took a shower. <laughs> I threw away my underwear. <laughs> Actually, they were boxer shorts. <laughs> Thank God. And so then, uh, and then I went back to bed. Next thing I knew, I heard like Wes screaming at her. <laughs> and so who was I to like, sure. you know, I mean, Herb was already admitting to it. So I was like, all right, cool. That's the end of it. How long did you hold the secret in for? I Longer than the it crap. Was like, it was probably <laughs> at least two or three years. Oh, I thought it was like 20. No, because it was Rice Cues were still a band. And we were on tour when I. This is this, up. is this is Brian. He's like, you know, I don't want Dave Fry to to carry the load <laughs> of uh, triple fast action, but I don't care if Herb carries my load. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, so yeah, I was the pooper. <laughs> well, I I almost forgot about that, Gabe. Thanks. No, we. This was going to get up there. This was going to get on the on the podcast. Well, that was the whole mm. point of having him come on. Yeah, I like thought I had something to do with. Here comes the zoo. That too. Well, I guess it might maybe this was more important. No. All right. Foxing. Here I come. You got anything else? Got anything else for us before you leave? I heard that the band members of Foxing cry on stage like what? tear like really cry while Why they're playing going to this i don't know i told joe if they start crying i'm leaving i'm not going to sit there and watch a bunch of like guys crying on stage <laughs> have you seen any are you listening to anybody you like a lot of brazilian music oh yeah <laughs> yeah wow i like brazilian music now how'd you get into that um by accident i went to goodwill and i bought a whole bin of records for 10 cents a piece and there was tons of brazilian stuff in there and Tito uh, Puente? no brazilian not okay. spanish or latin um like Where's Tito Puente from he's i don't think he's brazilian is he cuban maybe gabe what song is that uh that he does Tequila. I don't know. I'm thinking of another guy. What did you guys listen to and bond over in the van back in the days? Nothing. Brian. Bon Iver. Brian wouldn't allow. Fuck that. I never listened to that. Ever. Bullshit. 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 I never, 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 never listened to that. Bullshit. 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 We weren't even, we weren't even, you weren't even yes, in a band we anymore by the yes, time that I band was. came out. You, yes, you I was. You were like, Bon Iver, Bon Iver, Bon Iver. And I'm like, do you no. mean Bon Iver? I mean, fuck that band. We I never listened we to that We were shit. in the van driving never. someplace out west, 
And neither one of us. I had, had my heard headphones the on, yet. listening to Radiohead. Neither one of us had listened to it yet, and I had it on my phone, and I think you still had have it on it. your phone. And you, we said, "Oh well, let's listen to it now. Let's check it out. See what the hype is." And I remember we both thought it was like yacht rock when at first we were like, but then we listened to the whole record. We actually listened to that whole record together. First time no. we, we yes, I remember that. It made me puke. You puked into the vocoder. No, <laughs> All of no. It. I remember you liked that. I remember you liked that band, and I was like, "This is shit." No, we both found out about them because they won a Grammy or something, and we both didn't understand the hype, and we both were curious enough to listen to that record, and we both listened to it together. Yeah, that was our that was our record bonding experience, Scott. And you, you're uh, like, you're just saying it never happened. I don't remember ever listening to one of their records or one of his records ever. It was the, the Grammy record, the self-titled album. I would have stuck big pens in my ears before I listened to that thing. No, you, we listened to oh. it. No. I mean, I remember I tried to get you to listen to Fleet Foxes, and you're like, I know why you want me to listen to this, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still hate them. Yeah, well, I understand that. But, yeah. but they're not as bad as Bon Iver. No, I like him. I saw I him live, and it was amazing. Bon Iver. Come on, let's get it right. It's Bon Iver. I refuse to call it anything else. It's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. Really? Wee oui, wee. Oui. And his name is Justin. Is, aren't they from Eau Claire? Yeah. Cheap trick reference right there. Kanichiwa. Yes. So now, so now you you just get to listen to Cheap Trick every night. You sick of it? Every yet? night. No, never. I'll never get sick of Cheap Trick. What song do you not want them to play anymore? <clears throat> hmm. It's a tough one, because. So they're, much of their stuff is so great. Their set lists are a lot more diverse these days. They are very diverse. You know, they started playing Standing on the Edge again. And oh, really? I, for, I forgot how much I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did a Vegas run. They did some shows in Vegas, and they did, like, each night was a different decade. Uh-huh. So, That's a good idea. Yeah, it was cool. Like, you just, they pulled all this shit out, and it was just so great. How, how do you get sick of Cheap Trick? I, I never said I was sick of Cheap Trick. I'm just... Yeah, I'm I know. Just, yeah, but what, what, the real question is, is it Cheap Trick or Cheap Trick? It's a great question. That's the real question, Brian. I say Cheap Trick. What do they mean? say? I think they... I mean, I think that's how they say it. They've never corrected me. Is it Cheap Trick? I think it's Cheap Trick. <laughs> I, always cheap trick. Was, I always thought it was Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick. It might be... I don't know. We'd have to ask Rick... Is there a third way to say it where you, 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 you don't emphasize either? You, yes. Don't emph or emphasize both. <laughs> both? Cheap yeah. trick. That's kind of hard to do. <laughs> no. You, Cheap trick. How do you not emphasize either? Cheap trick. It's hard to no. say. Did There's I no do way it? in no? the English okay. language. No way to do it. Not Cheap either. trick. No. no. Is that it? No. <laughs> Cheap, Cheap trick. trick. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it. It's tough. All right. All right. All right, so if you're going to cue up a Cheap Trick song for the outro, which song are you going to choose? Well, we don't like to do that. We only like to do songs that uh, our guests have played.
played on or written. Okay. But if it's so, okay to play a cheap trick song, if the guys are okay with it, we'll we'll do a cheap trick song. I don't know if they're okay with it. Why? You're worried about someone getting sued? You just played a Bobby Brady video. <laughs> well, that might not. That's okay. Okay. Fuck Bobby Brady. But but it just out of respect. We're trying I not see. to do that. Okay. In that case, then you have to end with Cooler Heads. Because that was my favorite Local H song that I performed on. I was going to ask you, Brian, what was your favorite song you played on? And you Cooler Heads. And it never came out. It did. <laughs> Wasn't it on that No Funny EP? It's on the No Funny EP. But you wanted it on... Um, I wanted it on Zoo. On Zoo. And yeah, I, I did. And I was like, I don't think there's room for it. Uh, and in the years since, I, I've come to really uh, think that Fifth Avenue Crazy is not a very good song. Um, so I'm like, could have put it there. But we've been rehearsing for the tour, and the most fun song to play is Fifth Avenue Crazy. Really? It is a blast. So I'm thinking I was wrong. But so then after that, we put out the EP. And Brian's like, well, it's got to be on the Half-Life EP, right? And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, well, we got to stick to what you know. And then it can only be four songs on the EP. He's like, well, let's have five songs on the EP. He's like, that doesn't really work. It's got to be four. He's like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so then we put out the No Fun EP. And Brian's like, well... And we, we, we recorded it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? We got to put this thing happened in Iraq and we got to put a uh, president forever on there. And you were like, does that mean you're bumping cooler heads? I was like, yeah, I think we should. He's like, no, definitely not. I told Laura it was going to be on this record. It's got to be on this record. <laughs> it's a good song. It it's is. Fun. Thank you, Brian, for making it happen. Cause it is good. Be sad if it had never come out. Yeah. I am not saying it never was going to come out. It could have come out on uh, PJ Souls. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Thank you.